Chapter Seven of Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Mountain Adventures in the Various Countries of the World by John Timms. The Matterhorn. Ascent by Mr. E. Wimper, Lord Douglas rev c hudson and mr haddow in july eighteen sixty five on wednesday morning the twelfth of july lord francis douglas and myself crossed the col theodule to seek guides at zermatt after quitting the snow on the northern side we rounded the foot of the glacier crossing the ferg glacier and left my tent ropes and other matters in the little chapel at the loch noir we then descended to zermatt engaged peter togwalder and gave him permission to choose another guide in the course of the evening the rev charles hudson came into our hotel with a friend mr haddow and they in answer to some inquiries announced their intention of starting to attempt the matterhorn on the following morning lord francis douglas agreed with me that it was undesirable that two independent parties should be on the mountain at the same time and with the same object mr hudson was therefore invited to join us and he accepted our proposal before admitting mr haddow i took the precaution to inquire what he had done in the alps and as well as i can remember mr hudson's reply was mr haddow has done the mont blanc in less time than most men he then mentioned several other excursions that were then unknown to me and added in answer to a further question i consider he is a sufficiently good man to go with us this was an excellent certificate given as it was by a first-rate mountaineer and mr haddow was admitted without any further question we then went into the matter of guides michel crows was with messrs haddow and hudson and the latter thought if peter togwalder went as well there would be not any occasion for any one else the question was then referred to the men themselves and they made no objection we left zermatt at five thirty five on thursday morning taking the two young togwalders as porters by desire of their father they carried provisions amply sufficient for the whole party for three days in case the ascent should prove more difficult than we anticipated no rope was taken from zermatt because there was already more than enough in the chapel at the loch noir it had been repeatedly asked why was not the wire rope taken which mr hudson brought to zermatt i do not know it was not mentioned by mr hudson and at that time i had not even seen it my rope alone was used during the expedition and there was first about two hundred feet of alpine club rope second about one hundred fifty feet of a kind i believe to be stronger than the first third more than two hundred feet of a lighter and weaker rope than the first of a kind used by myself until the club rope was produced it was our intention on leaving zermatt to attack the mountain seriously not as it has been frequently stated to explore or examine it and we were provided with everything that long experience has shown to be necessary for the most difficult mountains on the first day however we did not intend to ascend to any great height but to stop when we found a good position for placing the tent we mounted accordingly very leisurely left the lac noir at eight twenty 
and passed along the ridge connecting the hornley with the actual peak at the foot of which we arrived at eleven thirty having frequently halted on the way we then quitted the ridge went to the left and ascended by the northeastern face of the mountain before twelve o'clock we had found a good position for the tent at a height of eleven thousand feet but crows and the elder of togwalder's sons went on to look what was above in order to save time on the following morning the remainder constructed the platform on which the tent was to be placed and by the time this was finished the two men returned reported joyfully that as far as they had gone they had seen nothing but that which was good and asserted positively that had we gone on with them that day we could have ascended the mountain and have returned to the tent with facility we passed the remaining hours of daylight some basking in the sunshine some sketching or collecting and when the sun went down giving as it departed a glorious promise for the morrow we returned to the tent to arrange for the night hudson made tea myself coffee and we then retired each one to his blanket bag the togwalders lord francis douglas and myself occupying the tent the others remaining by preference outside but long after dusk the cliffs above echoed with our laughter and with the songs of the guides for we were happy that night in camp and did not dream of calamity we were astir long before daybreak on the morning of the fourteenth and started as soon as it was possible to move leaving the youngest of togwalder's sons behind at six twenty we had attained a height of twelve thousand eight hundred feet and halted for half an hour then continued the ascent without a break until nine fifty five when we stopped for fifty five minutes at a height probably of about fourteen thousand feet thus far we had ascended by the northeastern face of the mountain and had not met with a single difficulty for the greater part of the way there was indeed no occasion for the rope and sometimes hudson led sometimes myself we had now arrived at the foot of that path which from zermatt seems perpendicular and overhanging and we could no longer continue on the same side by common consent therefore we ascended for some distance by the arete that is by the ridge descending towards zermatt and then turned over to the right or to the northwestern face before doing so we made a change in the order of descent crows now went first i followed hudson came third haddow and old togwalder were last the change was made because the work became difficult for time and required caution in some places there was but little to hold and it was therefore desirable that those should be in front who were least likely to slip the general slope of the mountain at this part was less than forty degrees and snow had consequently accumulated and filled up the irregularities of the rock face leaving only occasional fragments projecting here and there these were at times coated with a thin glaze of ice from the snow above having melted and frozen again during the night still it was a place over which any fair mountaineer might pass in safety we found however that mr haddow was not accustomed to this kind of work and required continual assistance but no one suggested that he should stop and he was taken to the top it is only fair to say that the difficulty experienced by mr haddow at this point arose not from fatigue or lack of courage but simply and entirely from want of experience mr hudson who followed me passed over this part and as far as i know ascended the entire mountain 
without having the slightest assistance rendered to him on any occasion sometimes after i had taken a hand from crows or received a pull i turned to give the same to hudson but he invariably declined saying it was not necessary the solitary difficult part was of no great extent certainly not more than three hundred feet high and after it was passed the angles became less and less as we approached the summit and at length the slope was so moderate that crows and myself detached ourselves from the others and ran on to the top we arrived at one forty p m the others about ten minutes after us i had been requested to describe particularly the state of the party on the summit no one showed any signs of fatigue neither did i hear anything to lead me to suppose that any one was at all tired i remember crows laughing at me when i asked him the question indeed less than ten hours had elapsed since our starting and during that time we had halted for nearly two the only remark which i heard suggestive of danger was made by crows but it was quite casual and probably meant nothing he said after i had remarked that we had come up very slowly yes i would rather go down with you and another guide alone than with those who are going as to ourselves we were arranging what we should do that night on our return to zermatt we remained on the summit for one hour and during the time hudson and i consulted as we had done all the day as to the best and safest arrangement of the party we agreed that it would be best for crows to go first as he was the most powerful and had our second hudson who was equal to a guide in sureness of foot wished to be third lord f douglas was placed next and old togwalder the strongest of the remainder behind him i suggested to hudson that we should attach a rope to the rocks on arrival at the difficult bit and hold it as we descended as an additional protection he approved the idea but it was not definitely settled that it should be done the party was being arranged in the above order while i was making a sketch of the summit and they were waiting for me to be tied in my place when some one remembered that we had not left our names in a bottle and they requested me to write them and moved off while it was being done a few minutes afterwards i tied myself to young togwalder and followed catching them just as they were commencing the descent of the difficult part described above the greatest care was being taken only one man moving at a time when he was firmly planted the next advanced and so on the average distance between each was probably twenty feet they had not however attached the additional rope to the rocks and nothing was said about it the suggestion was made entirely on account of mr haddow and i'm not sure even if it ever occurred to me again i was as i have explained detached from the others and following them but after about a quarter of an hour lord f douglas asked me to tie on to old togwalder as he feared he said that if there were slips togwalder would not be able to hold him this was done hardly ten minutes before the accident and undoubtedly saved togwalder's life as far as i know at the moment of the accident no one was actually moving i cannot speak with certainty neither can the togwalders because the two leading men were partially hidden from our sight by an intervening mass of rock poor crows had laid aside his axe and in order to give mr haddow greater security was absolutely taking hold of his legs and putting his feet one by one into their proper positions from the movements of their shoulders it is my belief that crows having done as i have said 
was in the act of turning round to go down a step or two himself at this moment mr hadow slipped fell on him and knocked him over i heard one startled exclamation from crows then saw him and mr hadow flying downwards in another moment hudson was dragged from his steps and lord f douglas immediately after him all this was the work of a moment but immediately we heard crows's exclamation togwalder and myself planted ourselves as firmly as the rocks would permit the rope was tight between us and the shock came on us both as on one man we held but the rope broke midway between togwalder and lord f douglas for two or three seconds we saw our unfortunate companions sliding downwards on their backs and spreading out their hands endeavouring to save themselves they then disappeared one by one and fell from precipice to precipice on to the matterhorn glacier below a distance of nearly four thousand feet in height from the moment the rope broke it was impossible to help them for the space of half an hour we remained on the spot without moving a single step the two men paralyzed by terror cried like infants and trembled in such a manner as to threaten us with the fate of the others immediately we had descended to a safe place i called for the rope that had broken and to my surprise indeed to my horror found that it was the weakest of the three ropes as the first five men had been tied while i was sketching i had not noticed the rope they employed and now i could only conclude that they had seen fit to use this in preference to the others it has been stated that the rope broke in consequence of its fraying over a rock this is not the case it broke in mid-air and the end does not show any trace of previous injury for more than two hours afterwards i thought every moment that the next would be my last for the togwalders utterly unnerved were not only incapable of giving assistance but were in such a state that a slip might have been expected from one or the other at any moment i do the younger man moreover no injustice when i say that immediately we got to the easiest part of the descent he was able to laugh smoke and eat as if nothing had happened there is no occasion to say more of the descent i looked frequently but in vain for traces of my unfortunate companions and we were in consequence surprised by the night when still at a height of about thirteen thousand feet we arrived at Zermatt at ten thirty on saturday morning immediately on my arrival i sent to the president of the commune and requested him to send as many men as possible to ascend heights whence the spot could be commanded where i knew the four must have fallen a number went and returned after six hours reporting that they had seen them but that they could not reach them that day they proposed starting on sunday evening so as to reach the bodies at daybreak on monday but unwilling to lose the slightest chance the rev j mccormick and myself resolved to start on sunday morning the guides of zermatt being threatened with excommunication if they did not attend the early mass were unable to accompany us to several at least i am sure this was a severe trial for they assured me with tears that nothing but what i have stated would have prevented them from going the rev j robertson and mr j philpotts of rugby however not only lent us their guide franz andermatter but also accompanied us themselves mr puller lent us the brothers lochmatter f payo and j terraz of chamonix also volunteered we started with these at two a m on sunday and followed the route we had taken on thursday morning 
until we had passed the hornley when we went down to the right of the ridge and mounted through the seracs of the matterhorn glacier by eight thirty we had got on to the plateau at the top and within sight of the corner in which we knew my companions must be as we saw one weather-beaten man after another raise the telescope turn deadly pale and pass it on without a word to the next we knew that all hope was gone we approached they had fallen below as they had fallen above crows a little in advance haddow near him and hudson some distance behind but of lord f douglas we could see nothing to my astonishment i saw that all of the three had been tied with the club or with the second an equally strong rope and consequently there was only one link that between togwalder and lord f douglas in which the weaker rope had been used the letters of the rev j mccormick have already informed you respecting the subsequent proceedings the orders from the government of the valet to bring the bodies down were so positive that four days after the sad events i have just related twenty-one guides accomplished that sad task the thanks of all englishmen were due to these brave men for it was a work of no little difficulty and of great danger of the body of lord f douglas they too saw nothing it is probably arrested in the rocks above no one can mourn his loss more deeply or more sincerely than myself although young he was a most accomplished mountaineer hardly ever required assistance and did not make a single slip throughout the day he had only a few days before we met made the ascent of the gabelhorn a summit considerably more difficult i believe to reach than the matterhorn itself i was detained in zermatt until the twenty second of july to await the inquiry instituted by the government i was examined first and at the close i handed into the court a number of questions which i desired should be put to the older togwalder doing so because that which i had found out respecting the ropes was by no means satisfactory to me the questions i was told were put and answered before i left Zermatt, but i was not allowed to be present at the inquiry and the answers although promised have not yet reached me this sir is the end of this sad story a single slip or a single false step has been the sole cause of this frightful calamity and has brought about misery never to be forgotten i have only one observation to offer upon it if the rope had not broken you would not have received this letter for we could not possibly have held the four men falling as they did all at the same time and with a single jerk but at the same time it is my belief no accident would have happened had the rope between those who fell been as tight or nearly as tight as it was between togwalder and myself the rope when used properly is a great safeguard but whether on rocks or whether on snow or glacier if two men approach each other so that the rope falls in a loop the whole party is involved in danger for should one slip or fall he may acquire before he is stopped a momentum that may drag down one man after another and bring destruction on all but if the rope is tight this is all but impossible edward whymper letter to the times dated august seventh eighteen sixty five end of chapter seven